time for the Tech Mobility Show with Ken Chester. Ken is a veteran journalist who doesn't always color between the lines. So, here he is, the host with the electrified personality, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to the Tech Mobility Show, America's program of news, information, and perspective at the intersection of mobility and technology. I'm Ken Chester, and let's get started. On the docket. A review of the BMW Z4 convertible. I loved driving that car. Oh, I didn't want to give it back, <laughs> but I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. The crisis in the nation's nursing homes. Yeah, it's time to go off into the weeds. And I have a personal connection to that story I will get into when we cover it. And then finally, a look at rising new vehicle sales. And I cannot get this with improving inventory seems to be the main thing driving it, even though. Delinquencies are going up on car loans, interest rates are going up on car loans, and the transaction price is still high. It's down from its peak, but it's still up there. But people are buying, and we're talking double-digit gains for almost everybody. But we'll get into that, too, later in the show. To join the conversation, call or text the Tech Mobility Hotline. That number, 872-222-9793, or you can email the show Talk at techmobility.show, and that is talk at techmobility.show. And an appeal. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. I actually produce a few short videos every week about certain topics that we've talked here. Maybe we didn't get time to get into all of it, and I put them out there. I want to draw your attention to one that I'm particularly partial to that I just put out there. It's a little longer than the ones that they tell you when you're doing social media it shouldn't be that long but i felt the conversation warranted a longer video it's about seven minutes it's about ai and i just asked you one question for your consideration is ai legal is ai legal take a listen please subscribe check us out i'd appreciate it thank you so much from the tech mobility news desk I'm going to introduce you to a car company you didn't realize that you need to probably know about because in the years to come, I am very, very sure you're going to hear about them. And it's called Xpeng. Yep, they're Chinese. And let me start with why this is important today. Volkswagen is investing $700 million into this company. Now, if you follow the industry at all, you know there is a ton of automakers in China and a ton trying to build EVs. The government's trying to get that condensed down a little bit, but there's a reason why the automakers are taking a look at this. Understand Volkswagen, I'm sorry, understand China is a country of 1.4 plus billion people or basically four times plus change in size of the United States in population. There's still a lot of opportunity to sell vehicles over there, and everybody wants a slice. The fastest way to hit the ground running rather than build from scratch, and bear in mind, Volkswagen's been on the ground in China for years, but they felt that putting $700 million into this company, which, by the way, is building EVs, and they entered into what they call a cooperation agreement. Here's their quote. This is what VW said. And then I'm going to tell you what they really meant. 
The aim is to swiftly tap into new customer and market segments, thereby systematically leveraging the potential of China's dynamically growing e-mobility market, VW said in a statement. Now, let me put that into English for you. With access to Xping's technology and Xping's manufacturing footprint in China, Volkswagen can rapidly grow not just to meet China, expand to Europe, and hello, eventually get to the United States at a cost that is way less than them trying to build it in Europe, build it in Mexico, build it anywhere else. And because the Chinese government wants EVs to be a thing, they're doing what they can to make sure that these companies have a lot of runway to do what they do. So it's a win-win for Volkswagen. Volkswagen gives this company big money. They enter into a cooperation agreement. They develop products initially for the Chinese market, but with an eye towards the rest of the world. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know where they're going. They're going to eventually end up here. They say that they are chasing the one with the mark on the back, and that's Tesla. And Tesla gets two-thirds of their profit, by the way, out of China, in case you were wondering. That cooperation agreement I talked about will provide for the joint development of two VW brand electric models for the mid-size segment in China. The vehicles are slated to be rolled out in 2026. Where else do you think when they figure out how to do it, they're going to send them? And here's a bigger question for you. Volkswagen already has a footprint around the world. This is not their first rodeo, but they felt the need to spend $700 million in China. If you think for one minute that it's just going to be China, I got a bridge to sell you, a bridge to nowhere. Here's another quote. With Xping, we now have another strong partner that is one of the leading manufacturers in China in key technology areas. Did you hear what I said? Strong partner, leading manufacturers, key technology areas. They've got something proprietary that's going to let Volkswagen compete at a lower cost. And once they can figure out that, they're going to replicate it. That is how automakers do business. They find the lowest cost, they maximize and optimize, and then they export like crazy. That's what's going to happen here. Mark my words. And don't be surprised because right now there are Chinese vehicles, Chinese built vehicles traveling the byways and highways in the United States of America right now. You may not recognize the fact, but you know the brands and the brands didn't build them here. I'm going to let that settle because if I told you the brands, it may freak you out a little bit, but yeah. And full, full disclosure, automakers have been doing this for 50, 60 years. They've been building all over the world and importing into the United States, not just China. Shoot, Ford had a little SUV they imported from India. Uh, the Ford Transit Connect they imported from Turkey. This has been going on forever, folks. Now, let me go to the other end of the scale and shoot this at you. And I'm trying to figure out how they're doing it and why they're doing it. Alfa Romeo unveils the revived 33 Stradale. It is a model initially introduced in the 1960s. It's a limited edition car. It's a custom built vehicle. And get this, Alfa Romeo's only gonna build 33 of them, 33 of them. 
Okay. They did not disclose how many millions of dollars a piece they're going to cost. But if I'm guessing correctly, and it's 33, I'm guessing at least 2.5 to 3.5 million a copy. Here's the crazy part. I also predict they'll sell and place every single one of them globally, if they haven't already. The 33 Strasdale holds a special place in automotive history, widely regarded as one of the most beautiful cars ever designed. Its return symbolizes Alfa Romeo's commitment to merging heritage with innovation and providing a unique opportunity for auto enthusiasts to own a piece of Italian automotive artistry. Let me insert a few rich auto enthusiasts, and I do mean a few. Remember, 33. Let me give you the numbers. You got a choice, actually, believe it or not. V6 twin turbo with over 620 horsepower, or if you're so inclined to be sustainably minded, you can get a battery electric offering 750 horsepower and an estimated range of 280 miles. Top speed, 206 miles an hour. Zero to 100 kilometers an hour, which is zero to 62 miles an hour, less than three seconds. You are in Tesla Plaid mode. You are in Dodge Hellcat mode. You're in oh my goodness mode. And I believe the Rimac uh, supercar does it in 1.9. I can't even fathom. They even give you choice of two trim levels, Tributo and Alfa Corse. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the rest of this. Carazia Touring Superlagara. Lagera. That's where it's being built with meticulous attention to detail. They don't tell you how much money they're going to charge. Now, the pictures they showed, oh, it's, it's a pretty car. <laughs> it's, they show it in the interior, and I'm pretty sure I saw an exterior picture of it. And it's a beautiful car. But why? You can't, how are you going to even share something like that? And you sure as heck ain't driving it. Maybe around the block and maybe around your compound. Because you get the money for this, you own a compound, not a house. And you probably drive it around your yard. But I'll be doggone if you're going to drive that car very far. And what do you do when you need maintenance? Ship it back, I guess, to the plant. I guess you have to ship it back to Italy. I can't see how else you would. You almost have to. Or you got to fly the mechanic and put him up for a while. Either one. Next up is a review of the always fun to drive BMW Z4 convertible. You are listening to the Tech Mobility Show. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to aonmeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's aonmeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, 
I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Yeah, it's interesting. When I was doing a little research and I was looking for a BMW ad, BMW wisely, in most of their commercials, let the car be the star. They did not have a whole lot of talking. They showed the car doing various things and driving various ways and people having fun in the car as the car performed. And honestly, that is really the mantra of BMW. When they say the ultimate driving machine, they believe that the car is, in fact, the star. Full stop, period. And if you've ever driven a BMW, you know they write. According to BMW, the Z in the Z Roadster is short for Zuckkunft, or the future, is what it means in English. This amazing line of two-seaters was introduced by the German automaker in 1989 as the BMW Z1. And they only built about 8,000 of those. More than likely, many drivers will remember the introduction of the rear-wheel drive Z3 in 1995, BMW's first modern mass-market roadster. It had the distinction of luring that dashing and properly British spy James Bond from his traditional Aston Martin steed and was featured in the Bond movie GoldenEye. By the time the car was actually available to the public, more than 15,000 were already sold. The Z4 was introduced to the motoring public in 2003. The first generation Z4 was offered as both a coupe and a convertible. With the introduction of the second generation G4 in 2009, the BMW Z4 was the first Z series model to use a retractable hardtop, eliminating the need for separate coupe and roadster models. The third generation Z4, internal code G29, was introduced at the Pebble, Bleach, Pebble Beach Concourse d'Elegance in August 2018. Current generation BMW Roadster has returned to the quick retracting soft top instead of the retractable hard top, which now only takes 10 seconds to operate. And here's a fun fact for you. The Z4 actually isn't built by BMW. It's manufactured for BMW by Magna Steer, a contract automaker located in Graz, Austria. And they build a lot of stuff down through the years. You'd be surprised what they built for the European market, which, by the way, also included at one time 
the Grand Cherokee for Europe. Here's another fun fact. The performance-oriented Toyota GR Supra is based on the Z4 and also manufactured at the same facility. Bet you didn't know that. Available in two models, standard power for the 2023 BMW Z4 Roadster is generated by a 2-liter twin-power turbocharged four-cylinder gasoline engine that produces 255 horsepower and 295 foot-pounds of torque. The -the over-the-top M40i model is equipped with a 3-liter twin-power turbocharged inline six-cylinder gasoline engine, that's a mouthful, that makes 382 horsepower and 369 foot-pounds of torque. And let me stop right here and tell you that four-cylinder is more than enough. Oh, my God. Energy for both engines is communicated to the rear driving wheels via an eight-speed Steptronic automatic transmission. A manual gearbox, unfortunately, is not offered. EPA fuel economy numbers at 25 city, 33 highway for the four-cylinder, 23 city, 31 highway for the six. Cargo capacity is a snug 9.9 cubic feet. Here's what I liked about the vehicle. The BMW Z3 and its successor Z4 are personal, comfortable, sophisticated, performance-oriented. Everything you've come to expect from a BMW. Whether you're driving around town or taking a long trip, this is the companion you want. It's an easy driver that you can enjoy for miles with no fatigue. The optional dynamic handling package coupled with a head-up display is a major plus in the vehicle that I test drove. Its fast-folding soft top means that you can have as much or as little wind in your hair, if you have hair, uh, experience that you want at your fancy. The driver also has four drive modes, sport, Sport Plus, Comfort, and Eco Slash Pro to choose from, which only adds to the amount of fun and enjoyment you can experience at speed. Here's a hint from Ken. Choose the Sport Plus. Steering wheel mounted paddle shifters and a manual mode automatic transmission round out the driving experience. The Z4 is sure-footed and inspires driver confidence at speed. You know, even the Comfort mode is fun, come to think about it. In short, the Z4 is impressively comfortable and totally, totally mannerable. And yeah, I'm going to nitpick for a minute. Here's a few things I didn't like about the vehicle. And boil it to boil it down, it's all about the tires. The low-profile, speed-rated, summer-performance tires. To me, they're of limited use and expensive to replace. There's no spare. And I'm really not clear if the Continental Sport Contact 6 tires, as it is for performance cars, in this case, two different size tires. You've got one size in the front, one size in the back, if that doesn't make it more complicated. I don't know if these are self-sealing, puncture-resistant, or actual run-flats. You might want to be sure to ask that question at the dealer. Finally, the displays, controls, and an infotainment system are not terrible, They're not terrible, but it's not very intuitive. Shame on you, BMW. For new owners, it might take some getting used to. So here's the bottom line. Driving a BMW Z4 should be on every single driver's bucket list. If you have not experienced the fun you can have behind the wheel of a car that is totally available to handle your every whim comfortably, and actually let you get into a little trouble and not leave you stranded, this is the one. It's fast, comfortable, and mannerable. Easy to drive in town, 
on the highway, or even in the mountains. It's easily a three-season car, and winter would give me some serious pause, that is, if I'm in a climb with frozen or freezing precip. I've evaluated several Z4s over the years, and the experience has always, always, always left a smile on my face and a yearning to park one in my driveway. I'm a few thousand short people. Not to add any pressure, but there's some news afoot, break my heart, that the end for this fun driving machine may be near. So listen up. Industry sources that report that in late 2025, I think October, may be the end of the line for the BMW Z4. Falling sales numbers make manufacturing of the vehicle unsustainable. And let me tell you, if you ever wanted to drive one, a new one, I wouldn't wait. The manufacturer suggested retail price for the 2023 BMW Z4 starts from $52,800 for the S-Drive 30i and $65,300 for the M40i. Destination charges add $995. And let me add this. I drove a vehicle the week before that was twice the price and half the fun. This thing is comfortable, smooth, enjoyable, and you, you want to drive it. Trust me, you want to drive this car. If you love driving, you owe yourself a trip to the BMW dealer. Even if you just take this thing around the block and you tell them Ken sent you, you'll be glad you did. It is that much fun. <laughs> All is not well at the nation's nursing homes and the feds have stepped in. This is the Tech Mobility Show. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. Welcome to AONmeetings.com your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to aonmeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's aonmeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. If you're just joining us, this is the Tech Mobility Show, and we're talking about a crisis in our nation's nursing homes. First of all, the number of nursing homes is disappearing, even as the baby boomer generation, and I'm one of them, is coming into their golden years. Worse yet, staffing issues are made worse by the COVID pandemic and chronic low pay have led us to where the nation is now. Welcome to Topic B. I'm not going to get emotional. I'm try not to, but I have a vested interest in this particular segment. My mom, in the last few years of her life, was in a nursing home. And it was an issue with dementia. And we were glad because in the nursing home, we felt that she would be safe in that ward because my dad, who was also up there in years, was taking care of her. And they lived in the country. And my mom was four foot something i mean four foot nine inches tall 
and that lady would go wandering off in the street they lived on. When you'd come down off a hill and they would be rolling about 45, 50 miles an hour. And my mom wasn't paying attention. You'd been very easy to clip her and never knew you hit her. So there was always that. And how my dad was able to even sleep with both eyes closed in those years that he was trying to take care of mom, ah, I don't know how he did it. I really don't. So hear me when I tell you this. The United States has 600 fewer nursing homes than it did six years ago, according to a Wall Street Journal analysis of federal data. More senior care is happening at home. And I say, stress much? Due to COVID-19 pandemic, caused many families to shun nursing homes while draining workers from an already short-staffed industry. Child care and nursing home care. Caring for our children and caring for our elders. Why is this a problem? Of all the things this rich country should be making a priority, it should be taking care of our children and taking care of our parents and our grandparents. Why is this a problem? But it is. And this is worse. The result of a constrained or contracting nursing home availability means that frail elderly patients are stuck in hospitals, obviously a dangerous place for seniors waiting for somewhere to go sometimes for months. If you're already health compromised, the last place you need to be is a hospital when you don't need to be there. Beds are disappearing while the need for senior care is growing. Remember, I said baby boomers. The American population 65 and older is expected to swell from 56 million three years ago to 81 million in a little less than 17 years. Even before the industry started to shrink noticeably, it was effectively contracting. Though fewer people tend to live in counties without nursing homes, those counties tend to have more elderly residents than average. And I say, welcome to Iowa. Welcome to the Midwest. This is us. This is where we're at right now. We're losing nursing homes in this state in real time right now. Now, in fairness, the shrinkage was decades in the making. Much the same way it's been widely reported about child care. Same problem here. You can't get the people, and particularly since the pandemic, everybody is bidding up trying to get folk, and they can't afford to pay them. And it's very demanding work. Folks got to be physically moved. Folks got to be bathed and hygiene and a whole bunch of things is very physical and demanding and if you work in a nursing home that caters say to dementia care uh take that up at two and a half notches it takes fantastic people and for you nurses and healthcare providers that work in nursing homes taking care of our parents and grandparents thank you thank you you're doing god's work you are hang in there please we need you now, most older people, present company included, would prefer to stay in their homes and more Medicare spending on long-term care has gone to home and community-based services rather than institutions such as nursing homes since 2013. But if you're in a situation like my mom was, staying at home is not an option. The reason why my mom ended up in a nursing home was due to a very public display. She would not get checked out. We knew there was something wrong. She refused. And she basically had a public meltdown where they took her into custody, had her evaluated, and she never came home. So I know a little something about this. If you've got a parent 
and you've done everything you can to keep them at home and keep them in their surroundings. But special needs, hey, if you are a caregiver, it is the, it is the most perplexing opportunity you will ever have if it's for a loved one you both trying to care and frustrated and burn out at the same time now imagine what happens in a nursing care situation and with the population getting older bigger faster we need more caring people even as our overall population is falling and we can't replace the number of people compounded by covid and the fact that wages have gone up we need some federal help here people we need some federal help. We do. The reason why people moved to homes during the pandemic, 167,800 nursing home residents died from COVID-19 and many facilities employees also died from the virus. And while staffing has recovered at hospitals since the worst of the pandemic, it hasn't at nursing homes. My mom lives in Massachusetts, so this next sentence hits close to home for me. In Massachusetts, where bed losses are among the steepest, recent state hospital association surveys show 563 patients a month on average couldn't leave hospitals for nursing homes when the patients were ready. 563. Hundreds of such patients spent at least a month in hospitals with the longest waits stretching six months or longer. What is your government doing about it? Now, they talked about setting standards. And I'm going to get into that really quick. But here's my problem with setting standards. What's the point of setting care standards if you can't attract the people you need? That's the problem. Standards are great. And if you had the ability to attract the number of people that a care facility needs to operate properly, then you could give proper care because they could spend the kind of time mandating it by fiat doesn't work. If you unless you're going to put some money behind it. And the administration said they also plan to launch a national initiative to tackle the staffing shortage. They said it invest more than $75 million in financial incentives such as scholarships and tuition reimbursements to support staffing prospects for nursing homes. That's not enough. Whether we like it or not, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on relative to government intervention, when it comes to child care and when it comes to elder care, obviously the model we got ain't working. It's not working. And if it's your parent, particularly if it's your mom with dementia, your dad with dementia, or other special needs where you've done everything you could and your family's done everything you could to keep them comfortable at home, but it's just a bit beyond your ability and you're tired. You're wore out. Nobody wants to put their parents in a home. I know that. But there comes a time when you've done everything you can and it's just beyond you and you need the help and they need to be someplace safe. We got to fix this, people. We absolutely got to fix this because the way this is working, just mandating that you got to spend more hours with a patient doesn't help if you ain't got the staff to begin with. And if you can't attract the staff because you can't pay the staff, then it doesn't matter. You're still jammed up. Despite inflation and other high transaction prices, vehicle sales are on an upswing. We are the Tech Mobility Show.
Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. These days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. Despite high inflation, growing automotive loan default rates, and high transaction prices, improving inventories at the nation's new vehicle dealers continue to mean higher sales. What is going on here? Industry analysts expect, they actually expected U.S. new light vehicle sales to rise between 15 and 20% last month. And that's according to Automotive News, a trade publication. This is topic C. Pretty much every manufacturer at every nameplate has had a double-digit increase. We've reported here about inflation. We've reported here about a third of the folks coming up for car loans don't expect to get them. We've talked about here the increasing rates in car loans. And that's for everybody. So, like, what's going on? I mean... You know, the pandemic money is long gone. And yeah, a lot of people are working, but what is the deal here? Well, this is what the this is what industry analysts say. They said that those numbers are helped by strong fleet shipments, rising stockpiles, and deals that are drawing consumers back to showrooms even amid higher interest rates. They also mentioned that because U.S. light vehicle sales have rose, helped by the industry's highest industry levels in two years, and increasing incentives that are helping to offset rising consumer interest rates. Um, I've seen the numbers. They ain't helping that much. And I'll tell you why here in a minute, because I'm going to read some of the ones. Because I looked at, and this is an automotive news article, and I looked at, they had a list of some of the average August incentives, and they range anywhere from as little 
as $1,040 at Toyota to as much as $5,500 at Lincoln. You know, but you're looking at a vehicle, on average, average price of vehicles come down $2,000 from its high of 47 and change. It's 45 and change now. So if you're dealing with average, let's just deal with average for a minute. Okay. Is $1,000 on a $40,000 vehicle really going to sway you to buy it? The numbers say that something's going on. But for me, yeah, $1,000 ain't going to cut it. And the Lincolns are more than that. They're 60 plus. So you're maybe in a Lincoln, you might approach the 10% you need to make the numbers work. But for the rest of these folks, you're not there. You're just flat not there. Now, it would help you if you had like a down payment or a vehicle you owned outright that you were going to trade that had some residual value still in it, then yeah, it's just a little bit more leverage. But, you know, it's not going to make the deal for you. Not like some days back in the day where they were throwing hard money on the hood and that money was making the difference for people's down payments and letting them, you know, cash out of vehicles they may be slightly upside down in. No, the money they're offering now will not do that for you. And the question is, and in this piece, it doesn't even talk about it really, is where does leasing figure into all of this? Used to be that leasing was the go-to when prices were getting ridiculous, particularly on vehicles that had high value like Toyotas and Lexuses, where they had what they call a high residual value, meaning after two or three years, they were still worth quite a bit. That meant you got a chance to drive that vehicle for basically cheap money and a lower payment than you would have if you drove a vehicle that wasn't worth as much. So the higher quality vehicle, the better the brand, the less money you would have to lay out in a two or three year lease. I don't know, and this article didn't address where leasing factors in. Fun fact, typically, because you don't own the vehicle, people, companies that write leases expect you to have even better credit than you buying it outright. Is that weird? But that's the way it is. Just, just a fun fact you can tuck up under your hat. So what are we talking about? Back in the day, before the pandemic, the industry considered an average number of cars and they measured it in day's sales. They looked at your average selling rate, they divided the number of vehicles by average selling rate, and they, and they told you how many days inventory you had. Now, typically back then, a 50 to 60 day supply of inventory on the ground at the dealer was ideal. You were good. You know, you didn't have a problem. Uh, when it started getting to 70, 80, 90 days, you had a problem. Right now, just to give an example, a Toyota, um, double digit increases for sales, and they're looking at a 24 day supply of vehicles on the ground. One third of what is average. And that is still 70% better than the depths of the pandemic just a year ago. That's how constrained they were. But what's blowing my mind right now is that we've had all this time and things have improved. And I kind of thought that the pent up demand would work itself out by now, but it hasn't. You know, higher prices don't phase folks. Higher interest rates ain't phasing folks. They're still buying in volume and dealers are still selling in volume. And they're looking at double, double, you know, double digit sales gains over last year. Pretty much every single manufacturer doesn't matter what you are selling. What the dealers are telling the industry is people are pretty much buying anything that ain't nailed down. We can sell it. 
If it's a car, it's got wheels and it's saleable, we selling it. It's getting sold. Honda, last year, really constrained in sales because of chip shortage. August, sales up 57%. Even the boutique manufacturers are doing okay. Genesis, which sells less than 10,000 cars a month, they're up 27% in August. And then if you look at particular models within the range, some of these numbers are really crazy. The uh, Hyundai Kona, uh, it's a crossover. It's a small crossover. August, up 71%. So, obviously you're going to ask me, so let me answer the question. Is this a good time to buy a car? Well, I'll put it to you like this. Improving inventory means more selection. But it's not to the case where the dealers feel they need to deal because what they're building mainly is the most profitable stuff coming out of the plant. Uh, if you walk a dealership, you're going to see, if they're selling full-size trucks, you're going to see more full-size trucks than anything. The second thing you're going to see is full-size SUVs. That's where they're making their money. That's where they're making their profit. And if you happen to be looking for one of those, your selection ought to be awesome. Now, if you're somebody that your money don't go that far and you want something new, but you're looking at maybe midsize or compact, you're going to have to look. And you may have to order it. And And... Honestly, I would suggest you order it because that's not where the volume is. The volume is right now full-size trucks, full-size SUVs, and to a degree, mid-size SUVs, depending who you are. That's what they're selling. If you can get the small stuff, it's not, <laughs> it's getting sold the minute it hits the ground. So you're going to have to do some planning and do your homework. As always, be prepared. More so now. Ordering, yeah, I would still advocate ordering a vehicle. Even so now, because that way you can get what you want as opposed to what they have or they don't have. And that will save you money and help you be efficient in your pricing. You just got to learn to be patient. And with the uh, supply chain cleaning up, it's actually better now. We've come to the end of our weekly visit. Be sure to join me again next time right here. This has been the Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. 
Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us.